This is Believe in Buckeyes, brought to you by Bet Online. Shim, hit with that. So it's playoff time, and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. And our partner, Bet Online, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of Gatorade. Bet Online is the number one source for your championship wager. Head to Bet Online and join today to get in on the action. And if you have any issues with gambling, always feel free to reach out to 1 800 Gambler. They're 24 7 to help you out with any of your needs. But once again, this is Believe in Buckeye for Brian Browdy and Chinny Chekwai. We, uh, we, it's the, it's the off season, man. So in the off season, it's the, it's the time to improve. It's the time to yeah. dive deep and, and kind of look at what you have and who you are as a organization, what things you need to improve on, what things you need to keep being good at. And also, just overall, what's going to make you uh, achieve your goals next year and be a championship team? Just wanted to kind of start diving in, trying to looking at some groups, and uh, I don't know. We want to throw a grade on some of these guys. I mean, potential grade on what you know what we have and what they, I guess, need to do. Looking for that twenty four season. Anybody, anything stick out to you? Any group you want to dive into first? I mean, what, what's, yeah, what's on your mind, Chuck? Yeah, you know, based on last year, I said we start with. The, the position groups that we feel like had the lowest grades, right? Because okay. obviously they're the ones that need to improve the most. And I know there's been a lot of, you know, positive things to look at so far this off season while football is not being played. But I mean, there's, there's a, you know, we need <laughs> when they actually step on the field to be able to, to, to get it done on the field. And I think if we look across the team outside of the special teams, right? Um, I think position wise, the tight ends, um, mm. and even the offensive line are are two areas where we probably need some of the most improvement. Um, and I'm looking just based off last year, um, and who who has left. I don't know. I I think I think both of those those groups are around a C grade in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, just based on last year, and I don't think there was has been a ton of improvement so far in the offseason. Obviously we had a couple couple transfers coming in that add some depth. Um but yeah I think they were based off of last year who they who they got coming back around average now and you know hopefully you go into the spring and coming out of the spring um they're looking better than what we what we saw last year. What do you think? Yeah so let's I guess first let's let's dive into it on the tight end side of things. So um, I think last year, going towards the end of the year, I believe the dispatch kind of came out with some grades for the position groups. And I believe the tight ends had like a BB plus grade there. Um, and that's essentially off the 23 play. Year yep. 23 is over. And the big the, <laughs> the big reason they got probably got that BB plus is because of Kay Stover, who's no longer uh, in the position room. So, like you said, we brought in a guy uh, out the transfer portal from Ohio, Will uh, Kamarik. You got G. Scott Jr. there, uh, who's been in the program. This has to be G's what he's probably be going to year four for G, right? He's been yeah. in the program for a while. Yeah. Uh we have Jelani Thurman, who was a true freshman last year, so he's going to his second year in the program. And then we also we have a couple of recruits coming in. Uh I'm gonna shout out Demarion Witten because he's from the Alma Mater from Glenville. He's coming in, and then there's another guy coming in, um, I believe he's a recruit out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, but Really looking at those guys, like you say, there's a, a lot of things in my mind that they could improve on as a tight end unit. 
uh, when most of the guys I'm naming, you start looking at the G. Scott Juniors, uh, Jermaine Witten, uh, Jelani Thurman, like a lot of these guys kind of pop up almost as like wide receiver type of guys, big type, yeah. big wide receivers. I don't know how much uh, traditional tight end play we usually get out of. Once again, I'm going to pick on G, not pick on G, but bring him up the most because he's been in the program the most. Uh, but essentially, I feel as a unit, we need more of a tight end to kind of build, you know, pit his hand in the ground and be an extension to the offensive line, kind of be able to go out there uh, and contribute in the run game, um, just line up and kind of base block some DNs, maybe work on some double chains with offensive tackles to the second level, uh, get, pick, catching linebackers, things of that nature. Last year, usually what we see out of tight ends, to be frank, we usually kind of see them doing a lot of motioning. Right, we yeah. kind of motion them around, and at the off the motion, they kind of uh, are responsible for blocking the guy from there. But I feel like it's a huge gap. It's a huge thing that they basically could improve on is just kind of being able to line up, you know, line up at the end of the line of scrimmage next to off of the tackle, and be able to kind of really operate from that position on the field. So once again, they got a lot of proof. So I mean, that yeah. grade of a C that you gave them. I feel that that's uh, pretty – I agree. A C is a good fitting spot for them just because it's a phantom position. We just don't know <laughs> what we're about to get out that tight end bunch if we had to go into the season and spring coming up to kind of see what they could do and how they could improve. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, even with Stover last year, when it came, when it came to blocking, um, I, I don't think the tight ends performed to what – to the level that you – you 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 want them to be able to perform at to get that run game going and to be uh, just effective overall up front. Um, the other group is, is the offensive line, and I'm interested in you being the former offensive line here in this, uh, this podcast. Um, I'm interested in what your grade would be for that that group coming out of last year, based on who they have returning, the guys they have coming in, and um, where there may be some opportunity for them to, you know. They'll improve some more and, and be more yeah. effective moving forward. Yeah. So I, I personally got them at the, let's say, C plus, B minus range. I mean, coming off of last year, definitely some things that they can improve on. And mostly, I would say this all the time when it comes to our off of the line, it's really the mental work <laughs> of it yeah. that's kind of, that kind of, uh, where they're kind of was lacking. And when I say the mental work, is just, it seems like a lot of times, it was going the wrong direction and trying to block the wrong people, not identifying linebackers, guys on the second level of who they're responsible for. Maybe they're identifying a guy, but you got two guys working to the same person, so now there's another guy free, and essentially you're not really effective up front because of that. So um, I feel like they got a lot to improve there. The standard has was basically – the standard, to be frank, was set pretty high. So not – you know, last two or three years, uh, what we was getting out our off of the line play when you're looking at like the DeWine Jones um, and things of that nature, it was just really high end, right? And then kind of you're looking at the, the, the several guys that's been there for like the last, I don't know, let's say eight to 10 years. I mean, just really high end players. And I feel like we got those type of guys, but they got to be able to kind of take that and translate it to the field. So yeah. Uh, when you're looking at guys like uh, Fryer and Simmons on the off the tackle positions, um, you only expect them to improve, right? I mean, physically up front, when they appear to know going to the right guy, they, they tend to usually get the job done. But a lot of times when it comes, especially Simmons, it's just, a lot of times it's just 
little stuff. I kind of spoke about it right to the bowl game. Like, we're, we're running to the left. There's a guy on the edge, and you don't block the guy on the edge, and there's no – it's only you over there. Like, you know, common sense things like if there's a guy off the edge, no one else here is a tight end, there's no fullback, I should probably take that guy and just count my guard to kind of swoop in for this uh, – be able to kind of step, step out for the defensive end. And the things of that nature. Early in the year, yeah. our short yardage was horrendous, right? We have no idea how we got on the second level. Like, you just kind of <laughs> see guys trying to get a double team, and then linebackers are just running <laughs> straight into the backfield, hitting our running backs uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in behind the line for tackles for loss. And it improved, right? But it's just, once again, it's another position where they kind of have to prove it, right? We, we, we know we got some talented guys there. We know we got some young guys that – probably would kind of get into the mix. And obviously we got uh, Seth coming in from Alabama out the transfer portal. So yeah. the the story there would be how did these edges improve and how did the young guys improve to kind of create some depth there uh, far off the line? Yeah. I mean, I think you, I think you mentioned it, man. We got, you got the talent in the room, got some young guys who, uh, a guy like Luke Montgomery, who um, was a high, high prospect. You expect some more, growth out of guys like that in the you expect them to develop into a, a player that can be super effective up front which really points to the coaching and the development of players at the end of the day you know a lot of time when we looked at the run game last year it wasn't like oh this guy can't he can't he can't move it was more of why he go that way <laughs> right or you know, like why did he block that guy and then you you're confused was it a mental error or was it the design? And, you know, I, I think when you when you grade out this offensive line, it's not a grade just for the players. Like, honestly, it's really a grade for the unit, including including the coach. So um, you mentioned 31, it's short yardage. Uh, I mean, that's <laughs> that, that really tells, it tells you a lot about the foundation. And yeah. this team, to me, has done so much in the offseason. There's so much talent that's being built up. If that offensive line isn't operating in a way that's effective, then all of that talent that's being built up on paper never really, never really uh, realizes that potential on the field. So that's mm-hmm. something to watch out. I think really this spring to see yeah. one who emerges, and this is the time where that development and that cohesiveness happens, and where the coaching becomes so so important to make sure that happens. Yeah, because of myself, right, I talk about a lot about us, like, basically installing these run plays that you can run in any situation. And what I mean by any situation, you can call this play on first and 10, you can call this play on third and one. Maybe the personnel changes a little bit, but essentially yeah. the play is exactly the same, right? So when you start to see short yardage situations that are not, you know, they're not clicking, you know, they're, they're not executing. It was like, what, 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 hell, how do we install it? Like, how could you not know what to do in this situation? You should be doing this so much that you almost could do it in your sleep. Like, these are the rules of the play. If this situation happens, if someone is in this gap, you take them. If a guy runs through, you know he can't get through because if he gets through, he makes the play, and we, we're now successful on that down. And once again, it's just stuff like that that you just kind of miss that you're not really seeing. So that kind of, like you say, kind of falls into the culture. And um, and and how we kind of handle to take care of those situations. So and you know, speaking of coaching, there's a you know there's a, a rumor. there's a rumor here. <laughs> uh, Bill O'Brien. We're not sure if 
or it may be even likely that he's not going to end up being the offensive coordinator, right? Yeah. Yeah, so right now it's a rumor. I mean, uh, obviously I think they said everyone is kind of anticipating there'll be more news on Monday, which is February the 5th. Yeah. Uh, but it's a rumor out there that he might be taking a head job at Boston College. And obviously with rumors, it's just social media stuff that's saying that, you know, it's a great opportunity for himself and his family. We're not going to kind of go into a whole bunch of details. Once again, it's rumor. Uh, but, you know, that's the type of guy, Bill O'Brien's the type of guy that could come in and install an offense that everybody knows what they're doing in these, in these run situations on first down, second and medium, third and short, fourth and short. And a, a guy like that, that just kind of has that experience, of uh, telling the tight end, hey, this is why you, this is how you work with offensive tackles. This is how you execute this block against a defensive end. Um, we, a guy like that is essentially what we needed and what we're really looking forward to uh, with with him coming in. So if that rumor is true, I mean, we got to get a guy like that, right? I mean, yeah. right, right? Or, yeah, yeah, we can't go to the um, what's the guy's name? The Cliff uh, Kingsbury, <laughs> the Cliff Kingsburys of the world. We don't need any more of that. We need some guys that's a third and one coach, uh, second and right. four coach, man. We need some guys that can kind of go in and, and, and install that type of offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, the, one of the reasons we liked the the hire was, you know, you get uh, an experienced coach, a well-rounded offensive mind, um, someone who can command the offense almost like another head coach, right? pretty much got a head coach on defense in, in Jim knows, right? He's, he's, a, he's, he leads the defense and you kind of get that same thing on offense and give Ryan day. So the ability to um, continue to be kind of the CEO of the team. And if you don't get Bill O'Brien, then you kind of go back to the drawing board and try to identify who else can be that, that, that type of guy. Like I agree. I don't think we need another creative offensive mind that could, that could figure out how to create more over routes to get guys open in the pass game, to get our tight ends open in the pass game. No, we need to get somebody who's going to draw up consistent plays so that our tight ends can execute in the run game effectively. When we talk about them not be, not them not blocking as you know as expected, is it on the tight end or was it is it is it the the scheme? Is it the um the inconsistency? Does everybody know what they're doing or are we calling out the right guy? And honestly, last year a lot of, a lot was put on Kyle McCord's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're being honest, you know, a more effective run game consistently could have could have supported that. Um, right. You know, some 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 better um, protection in the past game could have supported him. And the inconsistency up front, combined with the inconsistency at quarterback, really created some challenges collectively for that offense to move the ball and. Yeah, Bill O'Brien would be the type of guy that could, could, can support that consistency. And I'm not sure who else is out there. I'm not, not sure who else is there. Yeah, it's kind of tough to say. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but you know who is available? I, and I know this guy's available for sure, right? For sure. Who's Mike Rabel is available, man. You know, it, 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 you know, he, he, you would say he's a defensive guy. We know <laughs> it. But, you know, he played tight end, caught a lot of touchdowns. For the Patriots and, and, and Coach Bill Belichick, man. So, uh, you know, I mean, obviously that's not his bread and butter. But I know he could go in there and coach. <laughs> somebody was getting somebody from the Patriots, right? Bill Bill's out there walking around yeah, too. Bill out right? there walking around too, man. I, yeah, I don't know how old he is now, now, but he could. 
he he could come in and uh and do something. But I mean, <laughs> and they're not your traditional <laughs> offensive coordinator, but man, we we don't need necessarily another creative offensive passing mind. Right? We got enough of those guys in the room, man. Let's get a guy who's gonna make sure everybody's in the right spot and create the consistency on the offensive offensive side of the ball that we saw on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure, man. But yeah, man. So I mean, obviously, uh, we wanted to kind of talk about that. Obviously, if you caught our show last week, we had one of one of my big bros on the show, man, Pierre Woods, who who went to the, to that school up north, and and it was a great conversation, man. We got to kind of hear essentially his perspective, and by his perspective, I mean the same thing as when he's talking to his guys, you know, the yeah. guys that he played ball with at Michigan, how they have been kind of viewing the situations, right? We know that Michigan's been in some situations over the past few months, and now Coach Harbaugh is gone and uh, things of that nature. So, you know, we, we wanted to kind of hear from him. Let him speak his piece. Um, before the show, you know, we kind of had our kibats to everything. But before <laughs> the show, we wanted him to kind of kind of be able to kind of get, get, get out his side of view on things. But, yeah, we want to kind of dive in on that, man. I mean, like, you know, Harbaugh's gone, right? So how do you feel about that? I mean, I think his record against Ohio State, I think it's ending like three and five or something. So he wasn't successful against Ohio State, but he did leave uh, with the last few wins there. But yeah. but he's now gone. He's out the rivalry for us, man. How how are you feeling about that, man? Yeah, so, you know, I think a, 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 a great coach who created a certain level of success would leave the program in a better, in better shape when he leaves than when, when he got there. Mm-hmm. Now, him at this point, is Michigan in a better position now than it was when he got there? It could be debated. It may They may be dependent. <laughs> they may be because they have a national championship trophy there. And you could live a few years off a national championship. <laughs> like, you could, you could lose two, three you years. Could, you could a few decades off that. Yeah, right. Yeah. You, could still, you could still eat off that national championship. That, that's like... That's like that's like storing up some food for for you know for the winter. Like you could eat for a little <laughs> bit off that national championship. However, I mean they got some challenges ahead. Depending on what the NCAA does, who, I mean I got very little respect for the NCAA overall. I don't know what how they make decisions about stuff. It's so random to me. But depending on how they how they come down when it comes to the the, the cheating scandal aspect of it, which is a real thing that happened, yeah. but. It's almost like they beat the case on the field by winning the national championship, but they still have to come down with something. Then you got the, he took so many of the coaches. <laughs> he yeah, took the coaches yeah. with him too. Uh, so I just I just think overall they they have an uphill battle, and I do not agree with Pierre. I don't think they are looking at an eleven one season. I think they're much closer to an eight and four, an eight and four season than an eleven one, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they're going to have they're – they're about to find those struggles. I mean, I, it's funny, like, you know, you say NCAA. And, and, like, the NCAA, they have to be kind of hearing all this noise. I mean, a lot of people are calling the NCAA weak at this point. Like, yeah, NCAA, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, what a better time to kind of maybe get your power back and, and coming down, you know, you know, and, and dropping the hammer on, on, the, on the team up north and do something that to let people know that you guys are still here, you guys are still kicking, and you guys are still uh, to be respected. So. Man, I don't know, man, but I, I don't. Uh, I, once again, I do agree that I, Michigan is going to probably lose a handful of games. I mean, we went over the schedule. Uh, well, I don't know. If we we won. They got a tough schedule. Right? Yeah. They got to play a lot of good teams. 
Um, and due to that, with them just losing so much, um, and it's the way they play the game, I think they can find themselves in a, a simple situation when they lose four or five games and, and not see themselves back into the um, not into that twelve game playoff, right? I think you know, I just that's my opinion of them uh, coming into this year. So um, yeah, I think Harbaugh, like you know, he he kind of I think everybody's kind of running from that NCAA. I don't know, like you say, you think they're kind of weak, but a lot of people kind of departed, ran away, and. Uh, Obviously, they're not coming back. <laughs> <He's not laughs> right. And then uh, Coach Moore, he's going to have to kind of deal deal with that. However that comes down, wherever they do, whether they take stuff away, which most likely, in my opinion, you kind of have to do. If you're going to be any way to punish someone, you have to do something like maybe take away some scholarships, things of that nature, and make you kind of operate um, not with your full hand in that type of order, but we we'll, we'll have to see, man. <laughs> and, and it's and it's the, the the thing that's a little I guess odd to me because you know you promote more, um, you know you lose some offensive linemen. Um, I think that's gonna hurt them. I thought I thought the offensive line was their best position group. We talked, we talked about our worst, right? I think mm-hmm. that was their best. Yeah. Um, and Moore's an offensive line coach, so maybe he has some type of of magic that he can do to make sure that next group of guys are ready to go. But it's like every coach is just getting promoted. It's like, you know, Moore becomes the head coach. And then, you know, somebody else gets promoted to being the offensive coordinator who's already on staff. Um, Then somebody else gets promoted to be the offensive line coach. Then you get the the guy, somebody else, (laughs) uh, assistant or something to be the tight end coach. It's just everybody just kind of just moving up the ladder. At some point, they got to bring somebody in. Like, go get somebody that's a hot coach out there and bring them in, but you know, I think it works. The I think this first season is the is the season where keeping everything the same gives you your best opportunity to win. I think as they go on, not bringing in the top coaches and getting the top recruits is going to hurt them every year moving forward. So it's not just this this season. I think they're, yeah. they're every year uh, they move forward, it's going to get harder and harder for them to win. Yeah. But we, we'll see. I mean, obviously, it's, it's Michigan. So, as long as we we once we got to get back to taking care of that business in, in November, yeah. and that's that's really what it really comes down to, man. But kind of want to dive into some the news around uh, Ohio State. We got some new recruits: uh, Carter Lowe, offensive tackle out of Toledo, Ohio, commits to Ohio State uh, for the twenty-four class, and then also uh, cornerback Naeem Offord. Uh, I think he's rated. It's funny. Anytime I first want to commit, they're the number one player. But it's like he's <laughs> the number one player, cornerback uh, committing right. out of Alabama. And I'm sorry, that's for the 25 class. But I want to kind of speak back about that low commit because Lowe's rated the number two player in Ohio, uh, the number one uh, player in Ohio. He's been committed for a while. Uh, St. Clair, the quarterback. Um, and then also the number four player is Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, who was a running back out of the Cleveland area, named Bo Jackson, who's committed to Ohio State as well. And so, I mean, when you're looking at the list of Ohio, like we've been talking about it on this show for a year now, uh, but we talk about building that, that gate around Ohio. And right now, if you look at the boards, like the top three or four guys of the state are all committed to Ohio State and committed, you know, pretty early. Um what does that say about, I mean, Coach Day and his work? Is he getting the, 
the pitcher, if you want to beat the team up north, you got to you got to first start with getting your guys in your backyard. I think a little bit of him getting the picture. I think a, I think the bigger thing is that Ohio has good players. Like, I'm not saying they haven't always had good players, but there's been I th- I feel like in recent years there's been a couple years because the guys are getting aren't guys that that were two or three star guys that they found and this guy's gonna be a great player that nobody else saw. These are nationally ranked high level, high talented guys that everybody knows, right? Oregon are coming here offering them. USC are coming in to offer these guys. Like so they're still kinda of on the same track. They're getting they're getting the top players in the nation. It just so happens that the top players in the nation are actually here. Now there's some times where there's guys in Ohio that aren't as highly rated that go play somewhere else, and they still are the top players in the nation. I don't know what Kobe Bryant uh, was was rated. Um, I mean, he stayed in Ohio, but he didn't yeah. come to Ohio State, and I'm not sure Ohio State really recruited him that hard. I don't know how high he was rated, but, you know, sometimes you have some guys who can play. But the Kobe the cornerback, man. They're not talking about the basketball player, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Um, so I think part of it is him getting the picture, but I think the other part of it is these – I mean, these are – Top level guys, yeah. you have no choice but to recruit. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, because yeah, sometimes you get the feeling that um, you know he wasn't the Ohio State, not he. The Ohio State wasn't really getting a lot of Ohio guys because yeah. they just was once again getting a national recruits, and just so happened maybe the national recruits wasn't in Ohio. But I mean, I don't know. I feel good about that, man. I like the fact that you know he's getting Ohio guys. Uh, we always we got Trey McNutt. He's one of the top players in Ohio. He's fitting like that three slot. He's Got an offer. He hasn't committed. But, you know, his father, his father is the former Buckeye. So, you know, always, if you don't get the, the former Buckeye, I'm not going to say we really dropped the ball recruiting. He just maybe just really wanted to go somewhere else. And yeah. there's really nothing you could do about that. But we'll see uh, with him as well there. And obviously, we got um, we got guys, man. But it, I, I like the fact. I like Ohio guys being on the team. Um, to me, it's, it's just – you know, they did. They, you know, they, they. This is a dream for them to come here. Maybe the other guys, yes, you can kind of say that, but they might have some other schools in their dream as well. Well, you know, you grow up in Ohio, most likely Ohio State was that dream school for you. you when know? it when it comes to cornerbacks, though, I mean, I feel like they're getting every five star corner that exists. <laughs> Devin Sanchez commits, and the number one corner in the country is a buck guy. And then Naeem Offer commits now the number one corner in the country <laughs> is a buck guy. I don't know who's number one, but yeah, everybody yeah. Who, who's, who's sniffing that number one, number two slot, shoot, they're on, they're on Ohio State's roster. So shout out to Coach Walton uh, yeah, doing Coach the work, Walton. man, doing the work. He's uh, he's, he's he's challenging Heartline for top-level recruiter uh, award, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. He's doing, yeah, he's, he's putting up some numbers right now. But before we end the show, we wanted to shout out Archie Griffin. We, the news broke, uh, I guess this week, that he would be getting a statue at the Rose Bowl. Said one or two players to start four games at the Rose Bowl. I was like, man, that's – he was. I mean, obviously, you know, he's always legendary, right? Only got to win yeah. the Hobson twice. But, man, that's the that just kind of goes to his legend right there, uh, four games at the Rose Bowl. Him starting there, uh. So yeah, um. And then, you know, I mean, we won the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah, we won the Rose Bowl. We won the Rose Bowl. Redshirt junior year. Your redshirt junior year. What real quick? But what you remember? The, the 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 thing I remember the most is is winning a a bowl game. <laughs> we had lost two <laughs> national championships. Then lost a close one, super close one, 
to Texas in the Fiesta Bowl the year before. Um, and Oregon was on the hot, Oregon was hot. It was a hot team, hottest offense out there. Defensively, we were able to slow down that offense. Um, some help with Legarrette Blunt fumbling the ball when he was on a, a, a little bit of a tear. But yeah, I remember that, and I remember celebrating after. It was the first <laughs> time we won a bowl game, and I we celebrated like we were at least I celebrated like I was staying in California for another week. But... <laughs> and you know I'm right with you. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a good time, good time, good time. But, yeah, so, yeah, continue to log in and, and follow us for the next couple of weeks as we break down these position groups. Uh, you can follow us on all the major platforms, our podcast, Believe in Buckeyes, on uh, Apple, Spotify. Uh, follow us on on YouTube. Uh, getting our followers up there. So, yeah, keep getting them followers up. We eventually, maybe yeah. in the season, we can start kind of having some live shows. So, really been appreciating the love there. But, as always, we're going to end the show with a nice OH. Ayo. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.